questions with silly people i'm your host christina p and i oh that's too low too fast coming to you from my new studio hey now that's exciting right new location uh it's very exciting also this week i'm doing a lot of shows in los angeles i'm running my hour and I, I would love to see you there. Please come out if you're in LA or LA adjacent or even in Brea, actually, uh, around that area. Come out and see me this week on the 7th of March at the 8 p.m. show. I'm at the Improv Lab on the 9th. I'm at the Comedy Store with Marilyn Rice Cub and Joe Rogan, Greg Fitzsimmons. We're doing a fundraiser to help for our children's school, I think Marilyn's kids' school. Uh, the 10th, March 10th, 8 p.m., I'm at the Ice House in Pasadena. Um, it's, just, it's always a good time, man. The Ice House is great. Uh, 13th, Flappers Comedy Club. That's a Sunday, and I normally don't work on no Sunday, but you know what I'm saying? It's an early show. It's a 4.30 p.m. show. I don't think it's kid-friendly. I think someone excuse me, emailed asking if that's like a children's show. No, it's not. Don't bring your kids to my show, please. Please. You don't want them. <laughs> Sometimes that happens where there's like a a 12 or 13 year old in the audience. I'm like, well, please don't. I don't, want, I don't want to influence kids. The 15th of March, 8 p.m., Brea Improv. So, so get deep on it, bros. Please come out and let me know uh, that you listen to my show. And really, uh, I like to know. I like to know who's out there listening to this stuff. I do read your emails, but more than that, I like to know. I like to meet you in person. It's not, not all of you. Some of you are fucking weirdos. You know what I'm saying? Okay, come on, not all of you. <laughs> okay, what are we talking about this week? Oh, we're talking about, hold on, let me find this great email. I always get um, wonderful emails from you guys. Uh, but I got an email asking to talk about, uh, hold on, transitions. One minute. Let me find this. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Hi, Christina. I started listening. Oh, well, I'm going to read this after that we do our song because I, I like um, the transition. Let's talk about it. This person wanted me to talk about transitions and being as I'm going through a major one in my life, I thought it would be um, an appropriate topic. Okay, so let's get into it. But first, I want to play this wonderful song for you. It is Sunday morning as I'm recording this. I normally don't work on Sundays, but for you, my love, for you, my love, I work on Sunday. Okay, let me find this fucking song. See, you guys, I'm not prepared. That, that's the problem. I'm not prepared. Oh, here it is. Oh, here we go. Let's play this song. É pau, é pedra, é o fim do caminho, é o resto de toco. Sozinho, é um caco de vidro, é a vida, é o sol, é a noite, é a morte, é o laço do anzol, é peroba do cão, é o da madeira, é um 
Rita Pereira É madeira de vento É um mistério profundo É o vento ventando É o fim da madeira É a viga, é o vão Festa da comida É a chuva chovendo É conversa ribeira Das águas de março É o fim da canseira É o pé, é o chão É a mastradeira Passarinho na mão Pedra de atiradeira É um regato, é uma fonte É um pedaço de pão É o fundo do poço, é o fim do caminho No rosto o desgosto, é um pouco sozinho É um estrepe, é um pé É uma ponta, é um ponto É um pinto, é uma conta É um ponto, é um peixe, é um gesto É a luz da manhã É o tijolo chegando É a lenha, é o dia É o fim da picada É a garrafa de cana, estilhaço na é o projeto da casa, é o corpo na cama, é o carro de sal, é a lama, é a lama. É um passo, é uma ponte, é um sapo, é uma rã, é um resto de mato, na luz da manhã. São as águas de março fechando o verão, é a promessa de vida no teu coração. Tears. That song is uh, called, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. This is in Portuguese. Aguas de Marjo. Aguas de Marjo. It's the waters of March. And, um, you know, I just, oh, I love this song. I, I stumbled across it on Pandora a few years ago, and something about it just really resonated with me. I, I, I just knew there was something about the song that was so special. Um, and uh, the waters of March. It's a song about transition, about change, about the seasons. Because in Brazil, in Brazil, March is the fall, I believe. It's the the seasons are switched. So um, the song is about about change, 
um, about life, the nature of life. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, here, I'm going to read you the, the lyrics just so you can get an idea. Oh, I just love this. So it's the waters of March. Uh, 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 it starts with a stick, a stone. It's the end of the road. It's the rest of the stump. It's a little alone. It's a sliver of glass. It's life. It's the sun. It is night. It is death. It's a trap. It's a gun. The oak when it blooms, a fox in the brush, the knot in the wood, the song of the thrush, the wood of the wind, a cliff, a fall, a scratch, a lump. It's nothing at all. Uh, and it goes on and on, like these amazing lyrics. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway, that's the um, the chorus: a stick, a stone, the end of the road, the rest of the stump, a lonesome road. Ugh. I just, I love it, and I love the this language. It's so beautiful. I think in my past life, I must have been uh, Brazilian because I fucking I love Portuguese. I wish I could speak this language. Um, so yeah, wonderful lyrics, the foot, the ground, the flesh, the bone, the beat of the road, a slingshot stone, a fish, a flash, a silvery glow, a fight, a bet, the range of the bow, the bed of the well, the end of the line, the dismay in the face, it's a loss, it's a find, a spear, a spike, a point, a nail, a drip, a drop, <clears throat> the end of the tail, a truckload of bricks in the soft morning light, the shot of a gun in the dead of the night, a mile, a must, a thrust, a bump. It's a girl, it's a rhyme, it's the cold, it's the mumps. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not the right uh, lyric. Trans- it's so hard to find a good translation on the song. I've tried a few times and yeah. The plan of the house, the body in bed, the car that's, that got stuck, it's the mud, it's the mud. A float, a drift, a flight, a wing, a hawk, a quail, the promise of spring. So at the one hand, the song is about destruction, um, about the end of the seasons, the waters of March, the rain of March coming and destroying things. And this song was written, um, the guy wrote it, his name is Antonio Carlos Jobim. I think that's how you, let's see the pronunciation. I'm trying to find this. Oh, it doesn't have it on Wikipedia. Jobim, I think it's Jobim. And this guy is responsible for writing the greatest song of all time, The Girl from Ipanema, and uh, basically started the whole bossa nova movement and music, which I, I love bossa nova. You come to my house, and any time of day or night, I'm playing bossa nova because it's so happy. Like, no matter what you're doing in the background, put some fucking, you know, Portuguese bossa nova on. It changes your life, like, especially when you're cooking. And it doesn't distract me because I, I can't understand what they're saying, but I. <laughs> I like to feel it. I feel the music. So what happened was uh, the this, this song is that there was a storm, I guess, a huge rainstorm. Here, the story goes that Jobim wrote the song as, uh, at his family rancho in the interior of Rio de Janeiro state and was inspired by a steady prolonged rainstorm which turned the roads and landscape to mud. Inspired by this frustration as a result of the difficulties the rain was causing with the construction of a new boundary wall along his property line with a neighbor. The skies rain from above while chaos rain below, as plainly stated in the lyrics, it's the mud, it's the mud. So there we go. So he writes the song in Portuguese, it's translated to English, and it's recorded a million times over um, because it's so it's just so beautiful. Yeah, March... March brings the end to summer. That's that's what that is. So that's the season there. 
Oh, what a gorgeous song. And the woman who sings in this, her name is, again, forgive me if you speak Portuguese. Uh, I think it's Elise or Regina. I don't know. I just, I know I love everything about her. I have her albums. She was from Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo, Brazil, um, and died at the age of 36. She had a little problem with Los Drogas, but she was a huge, apparently, star in Brazil. And um, yes, if you mention those two names, Antonio Carlos Jobim and Elise Regina, two Brazilians, they should know who this is because they're famous. They're big singers. Uh, but yes, at least we should have a, t- a sad death because her talent was just amazing. And she had a couple of kids, I believe, and uh, died at 36. But anyways, The Waters of March, there you go. Wonderful song about transition. And I, I thought it would be apropos. Like I said, I got an email, and I'm going to start by reading that like I always do. Here we go. Uh, this is from a lady. She says, I've been going through the process of transitioning jobs, and it is very hard for me. There are too many unknowns, and I feel like I'm letting everyone down and feeling badly about myself. So much uncertainty with transition always brings my depression and anxiety to the surface. Okay. But thanks to you today, I'm booked with another therapist. Excellent. And ordered some adult coloring books. Excellent. And gel pens on Amazon with your banner. Thank you. There you go. She writes, maybe you could do a podcast on the difficulty of transition. I know you've gone through a lot of transitions with baby jeans and stuff over the last year. Oh, you're telling me, kiddo. Motherfucker. All right. So let's do it. All right. So first of all, transition happens. Major changes in life, in life, in life, in life right? Uh, going to school for the first time as a little person, not a, but a child, uh, and then I remember the transition of going from like elementary school to junior high. Remember that? You're like, I'm a big kid now. But I remember feeling really bummed because they didn't have recess in junior high school. And you're like, what the fuck? What am I supposed to do? Like you're supposed to run in circles and go crazy. And now you just I just had to stand there and like talk to other people. It was horrible. And um, that's when I started smoking cigarettes. It's because I get all that pent up energy. And then, you know, you go to high school, that's a transition, college, and then you graduate from college. And for me, that was probably the biggest life transition of all because then you're going from the wonderful ivory tower of academia, which, look, I don't know who doesn't love college. People would say, I don't like it. Good for you. You don't like it. I don't know what's not to like. Okay, everything's paid for. I mean, it's on loans, but it's for now paid for and food's there, and friends, and you just read cool books, and you have sex with attractive people, you're attractive. It's the best you're ever going to look in college. There's no other time in your life that you're that supple and skinny, at least for me. And then, um, you know, you drink a lot of Zima on the weekends, and you go see bands, and you do a lot of acid, and run around Golden Gate Park, and smoke weed on the bus, and you know, all, all those amazing things. And then all of a sudden you graduate and, oh my God, and then bills come. And then you get the bill for college and that's another $23,000. Holy shit. And then you go, yeah, but I've got this degree in philosophy. Now what? Now what do I do? Oh. And then you get 20, how many jobs did I have? 23 jobs in four years, I think. And I got fired from most of them or quit. It's a long road. So I would say my biggest transition, other than the one I'm encountering now, 
was graduating from college and having to assimilate into adult life, which is fucking terrible. I mean, now adult life doesn't feel so terrible, but in the beginning, oh my God, there's nothing worse. Anyways, many, many nights spent up with anxiety and depression, the two biggest words on the show. When I was uh, graduating from college, I would literally just lay awake in bed um, and just full of terror over what to do with myself, what to do with my life. Because <laughs> there's so many options. I think that my dad said that to me. He goes, you know, but actually it's worse for you because you have too many options. I didn't have any. <laughs> in America, in this great country, this great country, there's so many options. And that is kind of the problem, you know, especially if you're lucky enough uh, to, you know, have a little family support there and your options are open, you're healthy. Oh, Anyways, anxiety, yeah, a lot of it. I started drinking a lot. Who doesn't drink at that age? I started eating a pint of Haagen-Dazs a night. That was fun. Um, I was like, why am I getting... There seems to be a, a pattern, interesting. Why am I getting fat? Because um, also at the same time, my husband and I decided to go full-time into comedy. That year was very stressful too. We were very, very poor. And we started taking to baking pecan pies every night. <laughs> well, every three or four nights, quite honestly. Uh, we had no money. We had no money. And that was a transition from you know, quitting the day job to, to living the comedy life. And that's another time in my life where I was just up nights, worried with anxiety. I couldn't eat really. And um, I couldn't sleep. I just had migraines. <laughs> I fucking freaked out. <laughs> so my husband and I, we got this recipe from Leanne Kreischer, Burt Kreischer's wife, who's adorable. She gave us her grandmother's recipe for pecan pie, and I'd never had it in my life. You know, growing up a foreigner. We had fucking fried cow brains and, you know, weird, um, weird desserts, bagley and, you know, just double storta, gross shit. And, and, um, my husband was so good at making these pecan pies and he made one, like one every three or four days. And we were, we just tore through these pies every night. We were poor as shit, you know, we weren't going out. We were watching TV and eating pecan pie and drinking wine and uh, we were like, wow, wow, I gained like 20 pounds. Well, it turns out pecan pie is possibly the highest calorically dense food known to man. And we were eating it like it was <laughs> the kale. Could have, it should have been a kale pie. Um, so that's how I handled transition those times in life. And now with a child, I got to tell you, this is the biggest, besides adapting to adult life for the first time, this is probably the biggest one. Going from being um, a free, fun-loving person who slept as much as they wanted, uh, who had a slenderer body, whose breasts were just used for amusement and not for a source of nourishment for a life. Uh, let's see what else. Who drank every night? Yeah, felt good. Um, who could drink a cup of coffee or eat a meal without? Uh, a sense of panic over the kid crying. Yeah, all those things have gone. Um, and now it's been replaced with a baby who is adorable and who I love more than life itself. So how to get through transitions. And this person writes, it's a job change. 
job change is really, really fucked up. A lot of people think it's um, it's not easy when you switch your daily routine, especially if you're a person who works, who who enjoys structure. You know, you've got your nine to five or ten to seven, whatever your your hours are. That's big. That's that's a huge chunk of your life when you think about your job. You know, when you work those hours, like you wake up, you go to the job, you come home, you have a couple of free hours, you go to sleep, you wake up, you're back at the job. You live at the job, essentially. You live with those people. Those are your second family. You eat lunch with the same fuckers every day, right? You have the same conversations every day. You're at the you're at the water cooler, the coffee machine. You're talking shit about the same guy in accounts receivable uh, who's got a mental problem or... You know, the questionable sexuality of the human resources lady. Everybody, you, you talk about these things and then you decide to move on up like the Jeffersons. You take a new gig. It's all exciting, exciting. But then reality sets in. Holy shit. This is a new life. This is a big change. This is a different way to work every morning. These are new people. This is maybe different hours. And that's a huge disruption to your life, these uh, these little changes. And I just moved too. God damn, talk about disruption, transition, horrible. Um, sorry, it was a big tangent, but, but yeah, you should be full of anxiety person who emailed. You should be uh, a little depressed. And I think that people get freaked out because of the anxiety and depression. But here's the, the truth is that when you're transitioning, okay, like the waters of March, um, there's a storm, there's a little bit of chaos and it's normal to be depressed and elated at the same time, I think. <laughs> at least that's what my shrink tells me, is that it's pretty normal to feel fucked up and excited all at once, ambivalence. And I think most human beings have a problem, at least I do, with, with um, accepting ambivalence because uh, it's scary. It's scary to think that you can love something and then simultaneously want to burn it to the ground at the same time. Uh, I have the same relationship with stand-up. It's the, possibly one of the most horrible things you can do to yourself and simultaneously one of the raddest, most beloved parts of my life. So, uh, writer, yeah, you should feel depression and, and anxiety because you're normal and you're a human being. And you should also mourn the losses, because with every transition, there's a loss, right? You've lost these friends. You've lost whatever comfort you may have had in the past, comfort like in a routine. It's really more habit. I think you're mourning your old ways of being, right? The habits of stuff that you've done. I mean, look, let's look at my life, okay? What the fuck am I really missing out on, okay? I'm still doing stand-up, okay? I still do my shows, okay? I still have a great husband, I still have my dogs. I have everything I've had before. It's just now. I don't sleep as much. I'm getting more sleep. So I feel better. But so what? I don't have uh, I don't have fucking 10 hours a day to watch Downton Abbey on the couch and drink wine. That's, that's my big loss. Because <laughs> let's face it, I didn't go outside much before. This is not like, um, gosh, I just love being out in, in the world and shopping and um, visiting people. It wasn't like I had that kind of a life. So I was always kind of a recluse, and now I'm just a recluse with a baby. So that's great. Like it's it's great, and it sucks because I did enjoy countless hours of downtime. <laughs> I I love doing nothing. I'm really good at doing absolutely nothing. Like, uh, but with a baby, it's kind of cool because they sleep a lot, and then you can just do nothing while they're sleeping on you. 
So I still get to do nothing. It's just in a different form now, you know. But uh, but here, okay. So mourning the past. I think that's that's what no one tells you about transition is that there's a part of it where you go, yeah, I've lost something. You lose something. You lose the habit. You lose the familiar. You lose what you've known, and that's fucked up. And that's what sucks about transitioning. So I think you have to ad- adequately grieve that stuff. You know what I'm saying? You feel me what I'm talking about? You got to grieve it and uh, be okay with loss. And then it's like I have opportunity to be to be something different, to metamorphosize just like the waters of March. Hello, bringing it back. Um, the rains come, they fuck everything up. And then you got some cool stuff after, right? It ruins the mud, ruins everything. But then afterwards, there's something different. There you go. So you're supposed to feel depressed and anxious, okay? I think, I think the problem with society, our society in America, is that we treat anxiety and depression like it's a disorder and you need to be medicated and there's a drug you can buy because it's a consumer society we live in. And God forbid you should feel something uncomfortable for five fucking minutes that there isn't some guy who's got a solution to sell you. So normal. Everything you feel is normal. But our consumer society leads you to believe that you're flawed, you're, you're, you're too fat, you're too depressed, you're too anxious, you need a pill, you need a, an exercise bike, you need, you need the clothes, you need the car, you need all this crap to feel okay. And here's the big secret, none of that shit makes you feel okay. <laughs> At the, no, I'm not necessarily, sometimes it is good to be medicated. For those of you who are medicated, absolutely do it. But I'm saying if it's a normal sort of, not normal, but a passing depression and anxiety that comes with a it's circumstantial. It comes, it goes, it ebbs, it flows. And if your baseline is pretty normal and you're experiencing this, it's okay. It's totally okay. And I think that's there's no commercial for that, which is like, hey, are you going through some shit that makes you feel weird? It's okay. Chill out. Relax. Have a cup of wine. Have a glass of wine. I drink out of mugs. That's why I call it a cup of wine. <laughs> I don't own wine glasses. There's no point. They break. Um, I break everything nice I have. That's why I don't have nice things. It's not that I, <laughs> I'm some idealistic anti-consumer. I am a little, but I'm. It's really because I break or lose everything. I don't own nice handbags because I trash them. I don't own nice shoes. I don't own nice shit because it's gone. And then I don't. I don't. Why, why bother? You know, I'm not going to take care of it. <laughs> Anyways. It's natural. It is normal. It is grief. You're feeling grief, however small. And um, especially if the change in your life, if you're transitioning and it's unexpected and unwanted, like let's say uh, you got fired, laid off, or broken up with, shock and depression are even bigger in those kinds of transitions. And, um, and it's normal to feel anxiety when that stuff happens because you're out of your comfort zone, you know, and, and your brain will tell you stories that because your brain wants to make sense of things that when it's chaotic and your brain doesn't always tell you the right story. <laughs> and of course, uh, the brain likes to talk to itself, which is what you're doing. You're just chattering and do you have to take it so seriously? Do you have to listen to everything your dumb brain tells you? No, it's just orienting itself. It's trying to make sense of the world. Um, that's the function of the brain, right? 
to talk to you, to make sense of the world. And when you're thrown into a transition, your brain doesn't know what to do and it tells you all kinds of crazy stories. Um, And that makes you even crazier. There you go. And also, the unknown, the unknown future. Oh, that's always the scariest, right? Um, The unknown future. That is a problem. Uh, I think at times I get comfortable with the unknown future and at times I'm really uncomfortable with the unknown future I think for many 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 years at least when I was starting out to be a comedian that was the worst because you think like oh my god can I do this like what if I don't I'll be a loser what if I can't swing this (laughs) I think with any joint with any like any venture there's always the doubt the the thing of like what if I fail what if I can't do this oh fuck I'm a loser (laughs) fear of the unknown and here's the here's the truth is there's so much you don't know there's so much you don't know and I hate to spook you out I mean these things don't happen all the time but I mean look dude that's a terrible thought but you could just get an aneurysm you know when people get aneurysms and just die so crazy (laughs) car accidents shit like that happens all the time man you can't think about the unknowns you just got to act in the moment and here's what here's the thing is that you can make a mistake you can make a bad choice and then you just recalibrate and do something different and that and i think those of us that have perfectionist tendencies go i have to do this all right the future is unknown i have to do this all right like no you don't you can do something kind of fuck it up, but make sure you catch the fuck up along the way and then recalibrate. New new choices, guys. But I think a huge part of transition that is imperative is um, you got to surrender. I, I remember when I, I asked my old boss about having kids, I go, what's the, what's the key to it? Because you seem to really enjoy it. And because um, I couldn't, I could not conceive of people enjoying having children. It really looked like a nightmare from the outside, you know. Because my parents obviously didn't really enjoy; um, they didn't see children as as things to enjoy. You know, ch- children were kind of a burden in my family. And um, I remember asking my old boss, like, "What's what's the deal? How do you do it?" And he said, "To surrender, just surrender, just surrender." And when I had my kid, that mantra kind of played in my head over and over when I was frustrated, when I was, you know, rocking him at three in the morning and um, my body was broken from childbirth and you're just, you're fucking broken. You're broken in the beginning. And um, now not so much, but in, in the very beginning, boy, oh boy, surrender, surrender, surrender to what's happening now. Uh, so that you can better deal with it, actually. It's not so much like a Buddhist airy-fairy thing. It's more like, calm the fuck down, <laughs> see what's happening, assess what's happening, and then go from here. Because if you're not calming the fuck down, you can't come up with a solution to whatever's happening, right? So if you're stuck in fear and anxiety and a terror, and you're making decisions out of that place, you're just going to make more messed up decisions, so surrendering to what is, I think, is like the only way to go. Because if you're calm and you're like, all right, dude, this is fucking, this is it. This is where I'm at. Let's find a way to kind of correct the course or to kind of make this more manageable. And I think 
Like you've seen people that don't surrender. You know, you know people who don't surrender. <laughs> I know them. I know these people. You want to know who doesn't surrender? Go to people's Instagram accounts. Find the dude who is about 50 years old, okay? And we all know this motherfucker. He's 50, but in his mind, he's 25. You know what I'm saying? Because he's still living the life of a 25-year-old boy. He's the dude who's got the receding hairline, but he's got leather cuff bracelets. Um, You know, it's like the the 25-year-old studded jeans with like a cool t-shirt half tucked in, um, maybe some facial hair that was appropriate in the nineties. And now, you know, like some kind of a, uh, inappropriate, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, a goatee with like a flavor saver, maybe, maybe one earring at 50, maybe some, um, Steven Seagal, 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 Steven Seagal, um, black jet black hair dye. <laughs> Maybe it's that guy. That guy hasn't surrendered to the inevitable fate, the inevitable decline, the decay of one's body. <laughs> I'm not saying to totally give in. I mean, there are people who look amazing but do it age appropriately. Um, like I would say Joe Rogan, great example of somebody who takes care of themselves and looks age appropriate. You go, okay, that guy, I, I know how old that guy is. He's, he's, he know, he's really aware. He knows where he's at. And he's making the, he looks amazing. He's great. But then there are dudes and women and women. And I, and I think that's why the declining beauty is so depressing. If you ever, yes, here's what it is. Pam Anderson, I saw her on something like five or six years ago. I saw her doing some kind of show and she was carrying a ghetto blaster down a runway and wearing the Baywatch swimsuit. And I don't know her age at the time, but clearly past the time that she was wearing the red swimsuit and being being the Pam Anderson that made her really famous and everybody, fuck, if you don't know who Pamela Anderson is, you know, even in Eastern Europe, they know who she was. That's how, you gotta be really famous for the Eastern blockers to know who you are. Um, so I remember seeing her um, walking down the runway, like doing the thing that I did in my 20s. And and it it made me sad inside. Like the same thing that the Instagram dude who's fifty and who still tries to dress and act like he's twenty makes me sad. There's there's a reason that shit makes you sad. It's because you know, like, oh, bro. First of all, you haven't surrendered to what is, and I'm sorry because <laughs> you're not you're just not where you should be emotionally. I think. Um, and number two, there's a time and a season like the waters of March, right? There's a time, there's a season for things to come and pass. And for those of us that don't allow the passing, <laughs> you get stuck in some kind of weird adolescent um, phase or weird thing where you, you're still, I'm still Pam Anderson, guys. I'm still hanging on. I'm still going to be that hot chick that I was known for. <laughs> I'm still the hot girl, which is such a fucking weird to me. I mean, I, she's so pretty and I do not mean to belittle. She wasn't, she is still an empire. Like Pamela Anderson is uh, everything American, beautiful. 
Like she's fucking hot. She was hot. She is still beautiful. I'm not, that's not to say that because you get older, you're not still sexually viable or not still attractive or all these things, but it is in a different way. Catherine Denal, you know, in the sixties or whatever, was Catherine Denal back then. And now she's beautiful. Yes, but she's also a mature woman who allowed, you know, the, the passing of time to do its thing. And she dresses and looks like an older woman who is gorgeous and still sexually viable, et cetera, et cetera. Just not clinging to the old way, you know, like Pam, Pam. I think Pam Anderson, actually, if I Google her now, I'm pretty sure um, she did tone it down. Hold on. I know she got a haircut at some point and looks slightly normal. Hold on. Let's look her up. Pam Anderson, what year is it? 2016. Holy shit. Can you believe it's 2016? Better get your life. Okay, so for a minute she did cut her hair and kind of look like a a person of, of no, she's back to looking all right, like a Barbie doll. So okay, so she she's still there. She still looks great, by the way. I, I don't mean to uh oh, there's Caitlyn Jenner. God damn it, that shit fucking weirds me out every time. It's, it's never it's never normal. Okay, um Sorry, I'm looking at pictures. She looks amazing. But see, there's also pictures of her drinking at the club. And she's an older woman. She's got the kids. And she's still trying to hang on to being 20 years old. You know what I'm talking about. It's also the women that do the plastic surgery. There's a lot of that in L.A. where you just look at them and you're like, bro, you would have looked so much better if you just let it sag just a little. Just just let let your facial muscles do what they're going to do for a minute. Just fucking relax. Um... I don't know. But yeah, being the hot girl, that's a weird gig too. Like, I mean, I look, someone's got to do it. I get it. I guess from my perspective, it's like, I'm, that's your function. Like I'm the hot chick. Guys jack off to me. That's my role. That's what I'm giving to the world is people masturbate to me. More so for like people in Playboy, I mean, women in, in Playboy or like pornography specifically, like my job. My job, my function in the world is to get people to masturbate to me. It's, it's pretty, uh, it's, it's intense. Like for personally, and I'm not, I'm not denigrating the, the function because someone's got to do it. Somebody's got to be the person that lots of people masturbate to. That's how, um, that's how the world is. Uh, but uh, you know, wow. It's uh, how do you, how do you deal with that fan mail? How, how do you read those emails? Dear Pamela, I masturbated to you today again. I love your blonde hair. I'm a huge fan of Baywatch. Oh, I want to come all over your tits. Love Jack or whatever. It's fucking so ridiculous. Now <laughs> it just reminded me of my husband got um, tweets. We have this ridiculous video up of him ordering Starbucks, and he he likes to have a splash of soy. In his drink, and it's so funny that dudes were like, um, basically calling my husband a homo for wanting a splash of soy. I love that anything remotely human that a man does is considered homoerotic. Right? Like, oh, you a fucking fag? You like milk in your coffee? Oh, you a fucking ladylike? <laughs> oh, you you like to wear a sweater when it's cold out? What a fag? <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, you like you like flowers? 
homosexuals, right? Like enjoying a splash of soy milk in his coffee is tantamount to putting five dicks in his mouth and anus at the same time. (laughs) When did that happen? Like where the American male can't enjoy anything remotely comfortable. You have to be stoic and miserable at all times to be considered a man, I guess. That's preposterous. Um, so yeah, accepting what is, guys. Accept what the hell is. Otherwise, you look crazy. That's really the point. <laughs> if you're not accepting where you're at, you just look like a crazy, sad Pamela Anderson or a crazy, sad Steven Seagal. Seagal. I think that's why we make fun of him on your mom's house so much because it's like, bro, you know, you know your hair is not supposed to be jet black, right? Like you fucking know how crazy you look. <laughs> your hair is supposed to be at his age, mm, some variation, some salt and peppery situation, just even a, a hair, just a, a hint lighter of black Maybe not hard black. Maybe not indigo black. Maybe just like a brown black. Did you notice how I know my differences of nice and easy blacks? Somebody was goth. That's what's up. Yeah, like soft black, bro. Brown black. But to uh, put the entire box of nice and easy on your head and then your eyebrows and the facial hair. (sighs) Crazy. My my, uh, old stepdad used to do that. I, my old stepdad was this Indian guy. He's still around. Not was. He's still around. He's just not my stepdad anymore. Thank God. Nice guy. Not really. No, he was nice to me. Um, bit of a sociopathic criminal, but still like, you know, he, he was always nice to me. That's the weird thing. I People are like, oh, he's really, was he really a criminal? Was he really um, doing crazy shit? I'm like, yeah, but he was always nice. Like we always had fun together. He wasn't really a parent. He was like a buddy that, we would burp and high five and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, he, he originated the nice and easy hair coloring. He would do it in the sink. And uh, he was like a you know fat Indian guy, 50 years old. And he would come out of the bathroom just like dark ass hair, dark ass brows. Like, bro, come on. You know, you know that's not right. Right? You know that's not right. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but I digress. So here we go. It's normal to feel depression, anxiety. I think that should just be like a bill. There should be a billboard. It's normal to feel depressed and anxious all the time as a human being, but it comes and it goes. I hope that it's not constant with you, dear writer. So you have to realize this is, I'm reading this. Um, I don't have all the answers, but this is from, if you just Google, uh, transitions in life, and here it is, just a Psychology Today article. I love this stuff. Realize, it says, realize that this is a new slash old chapter in your life. Well, you need to acknowledge your loss. You don't want to get stuck in the past. See? Hey, now, who was just talking about that? Who was just talking about that? <sighs> Acknowledging that a door is closed is psychologically healthy. Spending your time staring at it is not. Ooh. Oh. Oh, thank you, psychology today. That was a nice, that was a good sentence. Hmm. Acknowledging that a door is closed psychologically healthy, spending your time staring at it is not. While it sounds like a cliche, the next step after an end is a new beginning, a new chapter. And keeping this in mind can give you a sense 
of a fresh start. And while the particular circumstances are new, the process itself is familiar. You have, after all, made transitions before. Changing schools, neighborhoods, relationships, jobs. You know the terrain. You've acquired experience and skills along the way. You can do this, and this time, even better. Hmm, okay. Well, I guess what this article is trying to say is, uh, hey, stupid, you've done things before in your life that require change. Um, you know that it's going to suck. And, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. It's a familiar process. I tell you, in my life, uh, the minute I get comfortable in anything, it seems to change, right? Any Anytime you're normal. You think you're like, oh, this is great. This is... This feels normal. Something happens. <laughs> Your life changes again. <laughs> um, that's the only constant, really, is change. That's the only fucking constant. But that's that's okay, I guess. That's the nature of things. It's, it's fucking depressing. Uh, think positive, this says. Think opportunity. In the movie, Up in the Air, George Clooney played a character whose job is to fire people for companies that were downsizing. He always began his termination speech with, I'm here to talk to you about new opportunities. Is it a bit of a spin? Is it a bit of a spin? A bit for sure, but it's also true. Okay, so yeah, there you go. Here's the truth of it. Um, Transition, flux... Your old patterns have collapsed and you feel unsteady, but you're also, now is a time for change because you're open to it, right? Just like the storm that fucks up the mud and ruins the wall between the properties that Antonio Carlos Jobim was talking about. Well, guess what? Now it's the time to rise like a phoenix from the ashes. And I love that, um, that metaphor, the phoenix, the phoenix burns and um, and then rises from the ashes, and it's true. Um, and now, now, now is a good time to start new things. Um, when your world is completely fucked and you don't know what the fuck you're doing, what better time? Because you're at the bottom, so to speak. It's kind of a great time to uh, reinvent yourself, right? Which is why Pam Anderson, uh, Steven Seagal are depressing because there's no reinvention. That's why you get sad when you look at them because there's no renewal. There's more of the same. The reason I'm bummed when I look at Pam Anderson and she's, I don't know, 50 years old and she's still penciling in her eyebrows and she's got the enormous tits and the same big blonde hair is because you it's it's of a different era and it, it's not appropriate to what's happening now um, because she didn't hasn't accepted the the change and um and hasn't welcomed newness god maybe i should change my hair Hmm. um but yeah it's because you're not you're not upping your 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 game your life game bro and that could be anything you know um for instance i'm going to now that i am uh, fatter than i've ever been uh, from child birthing, I'm going to start swimming again, which is something I started doing when I was preggers and I really loved. I'm going to go back to it, bros, because um, I fucking loved it. And why not start that habit now? And also what's interesting is like there's a time after you pop out a kid where your clothes don't fit. The clothes you had before your preggers don't fit and the clothes 
that I wore as I was pregnant maternity, I don't want to put those on anymore because I'm not pregnant. So like I'm in this weird place. I know this is a stupid metaphor, but it, it kind of works for this. Hear me out. So I'm in this weird place where I'm not quite who I was a few months ago and I'm not quite who I will be in a few months. I'm transitioning right now, literally wardrobe But what can I do? Okay, so either I stay in the old maternity clothes, you know, with those ridiculous jeans that you pull up on that uh, pouch, the kangaroo pouchy thing you pull up and you look retarded in, or am I going to wear stretchy shirts or am I going to give in, yield to the size that I am, yield to just being a fatter version of me and buy regular people clothes, not maternity clothes, Regular people clothes of a size up because that's where I'm at right now. I'm a little fatter, but I am not going to wear my maternity clothes because I refuse to be who I was a few months ago. I'm a new person and who I am right now is a fatter version of who I was before I was pregnant. My boobs are much hangier, uh, so I had to buy new bras too and uh, pants that fit, shirts that fit. And I do that because I'm accepting what is right now. Okay. And that's fine. And it's fine. It's where I'm at. I'm going to go get my brows fleeked this week. I haven't had my eyebrows did and since November. <laughs> I'm going to get my hair did, my weave did this week too. I haven't done that since November. That's how crazy things have been. So like a phoenix, I am rising from my ashes. I'm going to get my, my shit on fleek, my outfits tight, my hair done right, my brows done, my nails did, and I'm going to be a new version of Christina. It's going to be different. Like I said, my tits are hanging here. I've got a lot more loose skin, but you know what? I'm going to rock that shit because it's temporary. It's all in change. It's all in transition. It's all in flux. And that's all I can do is accept where the fuck I'm at. And I can try things that um, I picked up in my new version of me. I like swimming. I'm going to go back to that. My diet's changed. I stopped drinking because what's the point? Can't drink because I got to get up at four in the morning to feed the damn kid. It's no fun to drink anymore. I had to breastfeed, you know, but that's okay. I still enjoy some of my old things. I still enjoy sushi. I still enjoy uh, Downton Abbey that I watch in hurried spurts at night. I still enjoy the old life, but now there's new enjoyments, right? There's the enjoyment of my kid's smile. That thing, that makes up for everything. You know, you see your baby smile and you're like, oh my God, this is awesome. Um, the time I spend with the hubby and the baby, I love that. There's moments where everybody's sleeping, and I love that. There's moments where the dogs are chasing each other around, and there's like, oh, it's so great. And it's all different. We're in a different space. We're in a different house. But it's change. It's transition. It's it's the nature of life, my friends. The Ag- Aguas de Marcho. <laughs> the waters of March. <laughs> it's the waters of March. It's death. It's life. You know, my mother died in the same year that I had a baby. Talk about a fucking mind-blowing, right? My mother dies in July, and I give birth in December. So it was the complete circle that happened in one year. And I don't think I fully processed it yet. It's still not, um, it's still not, it doesn't make sense yet, you know? Like, you just, you kind of live through things, and then I think... It's like sonic booms, you know, when the uh, space shuttle comes back into the Earth's atmosphere. You see the shuttle and then you hear the sound, or is it the other way around? Anyway, sound travels differently and you hear the sonic boom after you see something. That's kind of what happens, I think, when you go through major transitions. It's always in hindsight 
that you go, oh shit, that was a major, that was a big deal. (laughs) That was a big deal and I got through it and I'm totally fine. And, um, and you'll get through the next, the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Cause that's all there is. There's a series of next things, right? That's all there fucking is, man. That's all there is. Next things to get over, to get through. And none of it's perfect and you're not perfect and you're going to be depressed and anxious through it. And you may even say horrible things to yourself. Your self chatter is going to suck sometimes, but keep in mind, that's just, it's all an illusion guys. As Bill Hicks said, it's just a ride. It's just a ride. Hold on, enjoy it. So there you go, guys. I got to go. I'm going to go with my um, husband and kid. We're going to, we're going to go to the dog park. Check that out. And I'm going to leave you with the Velvet Underground because this is the song that's in my head every single Sunday when I wake up, when I open my eyes, because I think Sunday is just the best day. Um, It's a day where you're not supposed to do shit except stay in your PJs and eat a lot of food and watch a lot of TV and be with your family if you enjoy your family and pet your dogs or your cats or your birds or your reptiles or whatever you got. And uh, just chill, man. Sunday, Sunday's a day. Ain't nothing going to happen to you on a Sunday. I think that's why I like it. The mail can't come on a Sunday. You know, when I was a lot broker, Sundays were a relief because you know you weren't going to get a bill. You know you weren't going to get a call from a collection agency, hopefully, on a Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody going to come to your house on a Sunday. Don't come knocking on my door on a Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, sacred. Okay, here you go, guys. I love you. I love you. I love you. Keep emailing me. That's deepbropodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you want to talk about. I do read them. I apologize if I do not get back to you. Um, Rest assured, sometimes I do when I'm feeding my kid at four in the morning. I will check emails and sometimes write back to people on my iPhone, which is why my emails are crazy and disjointed. But know that I, I do read them. Oh, also off the gritters. I've gotten responses from a couple of you and I've written back to a couple of you and what a shock. I haven't heard back from off the gridders (laughs) have you lived off the grid and by that i mean um no social security number maybe in alaska alaska seems to be the place to go to be off the grid i'm not sure why not why alaska and why not like iowa because there's a lot of space in the midwest to go off the grid as well um have you lived off the grid have you lived as as a miser or as a freegan as a dumpster diver have you been have you lived just, um, yeah, without electricity or toilet or how do you go to the doctor? I don't know. Off the gritters, write to me. That's deepbropodcast at gmail.com. I would love to talk to you. And I realize the irony of putting a call out there to people who live off the grid on a show that requires you to be kind of on the grid to download. I totally realize that. But if you know somebody uh, that you think would want to talk to me, that's deepbropodcast at gmail.com. Please, please, please have them write in. I'm fascinated by that topic. I think it's something I've kind of wanted to do my whole life. And I sort of, sort of did uh, when I lived alone before I met my husband. Um, not really. I mean, it was just like a house up in the hills, up up this enormous stair street in Silver Lake. <laughs> but I had no television for a year and I um, I barely had power most nights. It was weird. And I liked it. I didn't mind it so much. Okay, guys, here we go. Uh, Have a great week. Um, Yeah, take care of yourself. Eat well, exercise, all that good shit. (laughs) Like I do any of that. Okay, I love you. Bye. Okay, rolling on.
Uh-oh. these philosophies serious questions silly people what's that that's deep bro it is the ultimate metaphor for life and you know what that is what that's deep bro that's deep bro